Yeah This be a life, no gimmick Hey everybody, welcome back to the Triple S Podcast. I'm joined today by my first ever remote guest. I have my good friend Jacob Fox on here. How's it going, Jake? What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. So Jake is now a professional lacrosse player, which is extremely cool. Um, I've had a uh, former professional football player on here before, but I believe you're my first ever current professional sports player. So how does that feel, man? How does it feel to be a pro? It's awesome, man. It's obviously it's something I grew up wanting to do. Uh, I started playing lacrosse when I was seven years old and um, played indoor for most of my life. Um, went down to the States for college, but um, honestly, it's something I dreamed of as a kid. And, you know, everyone wants to play at the highest level of their sport, whether it be football, hockey, lacrosse, whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. I'm just lucky enough I get to do it. And, you know, fingers crossed, I get to have a long career. Yes, sir. So you said you started when you were seven years old. So what kind of was it? Kind of your parents putting in you, putting you in it to start, or did you always want to play lacrosse even from the get go? No, so like, like you know, my dad was a football guy. Mm-hmm. My dad played at Carlton back in the day. Uh, I started playing football when I was six years old for the Bengals, um, and then my brother, when he was younger, the only sport because he was a January birthday, the only sport he could sign up for at that age was lacrosse okay so they throw me both me and my brother in it and uh, that's the sport that stuck i'm sure my dad was a little upset i think he wanted two football players yeah <laughs> um, would cost him a little less money which but uh you know um no, me and my brother both picked lacrosse and you know it's worked out pretty well nice man so you have a little bit of a uh, a native or indigenous I'm, I'm, uh, again i apologize if i'm uh, ignorant here to how i'm saying it if i'm offending anyone uh what is the correct way to to say it Okay, so so you have a Native American background, and as some of us know, that has a big part. Uh, lacrosse has a big part in that kind of culture. So, did that have any part uh, in you starting to play lacrosse, or was it just kind of oh, this would be a fun sport for uh, for the kids to play? Yeah, no, it was it was more so just a sport to start playing. Um, I really dive into my Native American background, and, like really start uh, you know looking into it and stuff like that until uh, I was older. Um, obviously now it's given me the opportunity where I got to go and play for the uh, Iroquois national team a few summers back. Um, went to Israel for the world championships wow. and won bronze there, nice. so that was pretty uh, incredible. Uh, I'll tell you what, funny story. When we went, um, a lot of players on the team travel on Haudenosaunee passports, which is uh, Native American passports. Okay. Um, the Israeli government's like, Israel's like one of the hardest countries to get into, man. It's a shit show. Like, there's like five or six different like security areas you have to go through unlike when you should go to Canada, US, stuff like that. So like they delayed our well first off, we didn't fly till three days later because they didn't accept our passports. Oh my god. Did they have a reason or they just they just said no we're not accepting it? They just said no these are fake. They're not real passports. We're like, no no like we're we're a sovereign nation. We're a sovereign nation. These are real passports. And then on top of that, you know after we get there, three days later, like we had Trudeau and Trump both make a deal, like talking with the Israeli Prime Minister, and they let us in. Okay. We had like six hours of searches. Like they went through all of our um, carry-ons, all of our equipments, like individually searched our stuff one by one, going through it and checking everything. It Jeez. was a pain, and they like our flight was delayed by like five hours. And what they wow. said was, "Oh, we couldn't get our food." 
the food was delayed. That's what they told everyone else. That that's was what they, their excuse. The food. It was, I felt bad for everyone else, but you know, when you're on a 14 hour flight, I mean, yeah. waiting four more hours is not the biggest concern, I guess. That's true. That's true. So just rewinding back to when you started playing lacrosse, um, you started what you said when you were seven. Was that the first sport you ever played or were you playing any sports before that? No, I, I grew up playing a lot of, uh, I mean, typical Ottawa kid. I played hockey and football. Okay. Um, those are the two big ones, as we know. A lot of our friends are involved in those two sports. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually how we met through that in school. Exactly, through football. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, like I said, my dad was a football guy. I played football at the age of six. Okay. I went my first three years. I went from right tackle to center to quarterback. <laughs> it was the, it was oh the weirdest. I, yeah. I remember my first play of football. I played. Um, you know how in tight like back when we started, right? You had to play every kid had to play three downs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, like your coach had a sheet, and every play you played, they put an X beside your name, and mm-hmm. then once you got your three plays in, Yank you go. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> so um, my first ever football play. Um, I believe it was Jamal King, and he Jalen was on the kick. Jalen, yeah, sorry, yeah. 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 And he literally hit me, and he was ten or eleven <laughs> at the time. I was six. He hit me on kickoff return, and he sent me back. Like I'm not shitting you, like fifteen yards. <laughs> I, I didn't want to play again. Like, Your I, first I, ever I, play. This was it for me. Oh my like, goodness. This this is terrible. But no, like I went on to play till uh, my sophomore year of high school, and I played mm-hmm. in the states for a year. Mm-hmm. And then hockey, I gave up about twelve or thirteen. Man, okay. it wasn't uh, wasn't for me. Football and uh, lacrosse were truly my two favorite sports growing up. Nice. So, for as me, someone who doesn't know too too much about lacrosse, was there any transfer of of skills and movements? Did playing any other sports help your lacrosse career, in your opinion, or was it kind of is it isolated to lacrosse skills or lacrosse skills and other sports no, skills or other so, sports skills. Like I would say, um, when you talk about indoor lacrosse, box lacrosse, the offense and defense are very similar to what you would play like in basketball. Right? Mm-hmm. You run a lot of the same systems, stuff, a lot of pick and roll, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, but the aggression's like football. Mm. So playing football at such a young age, getting my ass handed to me, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you develop that toughness you need for lacrosse. Yeah. And now I've kind of developed into a role where when I play, I'm very gritty offensive player. I set a lot of pegs. I'm getting guys' faces. You know, the occasional fight or two here. And there, there you go. There you go. I love it. But you know, it's it's like a street fight, man. It's literally straight up. You know, bare knuckle fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, stand like it's it's kind of scary to the point. Like I know. Uh, my dad loves it. My mom doesn't love it too yeah, much. Typical, <laughs> but, typical. Uh, yeah, I, I would say football is the aggression, basketball, offense, defense. Uh, hockey kind of gets you used to that surrounding area, playing on the boards. And then when you're playing field lacrosse, you have to have to endure some, like a soccer player and stuff like that. So uh, lacrosse is kind of like a combination of all like the key main sports. And um, you know, we're working to way where it's becoming more mainstream and one of the big sports. And that's why I'm excited that you know I'm going into a time where as a pro, you know, lacrosse is growing exponentially in the last um, two years. The pro indoor league has gained four pro teams. Okay. Um, like they went out to San Diego, uh, Halifax. Uh, obviously, I just got drafted by the new team in New York. Yeah, uh, going to Long Island in New there York. Um, and then, you know, there's another one. Uh, there's two professional field leagues now. One actually has a, the PLL, which is uh, was done by. Uh, Hopkins Alumni School. I went to Paul Rabel. Um, he was the first million there lacrosse player ever. 
called the uh, uh, Premier Lacrosse League, and now they they're on NBC. Like wow, they, okay. they 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 have an NBC contract for TV. They've taken a lot of great lacrosse players, and he's doing a great thing right now. So, um, and then there's Major League Lacrosse too, which has done great. It's been around for 20 years or so now. So, nice. you know, lacrosse is growing, and um, you know, I'm trying to make it grow now in Ottawa too, and Definitely. wherever I am. So, yeah. Nice. There you go. So, um, I heard you at one point say uh, there was a two field lacrosse leagues. So, is there another form of lacrosse, like field lacrosse and yeah, so lacrosse? there's um, indoor and outdoor lacrosse. Uh, okay. So the main difference is you play in a hockey rink for indoor and outdoor. You play on like a soccer field. Okay. Um, you know, there's different positions. It's uh, a uh, different style of play, uh, but overall, you know, um, lacrosse, is lacrosse, and uh, but yeah, no, there's two main. Those are the two main differences. So the NLL is that an indoor or an outdoor? That's the pro indoor league. Indoor. Yeah, that's okay. the league I'm in. Yeah. There you go. All right. So another uh, question I kind of had is you, we we're kind of starting to talk about it a little bit there, but again, I'll I'll mention that I'm very green in the area of lacrosse. So if you could just give a little bit of background on how the sport is played, how many like how many guys are on the field at a time or the the rink at a time. Um, I was doing a little bit of research and I saw that there is something called a long stick midfielder and then there's also midfielders. So yeah. just a little bit of background on the sport for those who, like myself, who don't know too much about it. Yeah, so uh, pro, like, if you're playing field lacrosse, which is what I played in college and everything uh, when I went down to the States, mm-hmm. uh, field lacrosse has uh, nine players and a goalie on each side. Uh, you know, you have three attackmen, three midfielders, and three uh, defensemen. The defensemen use six-foot-long sticks. Okay. Um, again, you have, like, position-specific. So you have your offensive midfielders, your short-stick midfielders, your long-stick midfielders. You use the six-foot poles. And then you have, like, face-off guys and stuff like that. Six-by-six uh, six net. Uh, goalies are literally in there with a chest pad, helmet, and gloves. That's it. Wow. Um, and then, yeah... Yeah, it's the worst position to play ever. Yeah, uh, those balls actually, are hard. Yeah, so yeah. when I was younger, um, we just went to like a tournament with like a bunch of buddies my dad put together, and uh, our goalie got hurt. So you know, when your dad's the coach and you need someone to do something, mm-hmm. they pick you. Yeah, all the time. It's the worst part with <laughs> your dad being the coach. So you so have to play goalie. My dad said, "Jake, you're jumping in that." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> the first shot I take is a bow shot right under the cup I dropped down <laughs> it was the worst thing ever all I hear from the sideline is get your ass up what <laughs> I was like okay sorry that that's like crazy again, I'll tell you that that was the last time I yeah. played goalie yeah, yeah. Um, so and then indoor lacrosse is um, five on five with a goalie the goalie's wearing about 40 pounds of equipment I would say giant leg pads it's a four by four net so it's a smaller net bigger goalie um, you have offense and defensive players, uh, let's say in transition, um, kind of similar to changes in like hockey, okay. but you'll have like five offensive guys go out. And then when we turn over the ball, you, those five guys get off and you put five D guys mm. out. So it's a continuous rotation. And it's on the fly, right? Yeah. Okay. And so it's, it's a really fast sport, really aggressive sport played in a hockey rink, uh, normally turf on the ground. Um, and, and it's incredible. Like, some of these places, like, sell out NHL arenas. Wow. Like, consistently sell out NHL arenas. Like, um, 
I'll say this, the NLL is a major TV deal away from competing and being one of the big sports in, um, in the what's called on TV. Like that's literally the next big thing we're looking for is if we can get a very good television deal and get the exposure farther out there, this league's going to blow up. Man, for like your right sake, now, I hope so. Work, yeah. Guys work part-time jobs. Like the Guys yeah. aren't like, it's a weekend league right now. So as soon as that happens, it's going to come to the point where pro lacrosse players are pro lacrosse players. They're not a teacher during the week mm-hmm. and a lacrosse player on the weekend. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends who are substitute teachers or they teach at a school or they're firefighters or stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and, and then you have the young guys like me, like, like we have to subsidize our pay somehow because, you know, rookie contracts and stuff that aren't like, you can't live off of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great. You're getting paid to play the game you love. So I'm not complaining, but again, like I, you know, you have to have another income in some yeah. sort of way. And I mean, that's one of the good things about yourself. You went to a prestigious university like Johns Hopkins, right? So I'm sure you you make connections there and you're able to leverage yourself into further career opportunities and just goes to show that it's it's about much more than being an athlete. No matter what pro sport you play, it's never going to last forever. I mean, Tom Brady is one of the rare people that plays over the age of 40, but in most pro sports, I mean, you're only playing to, if you're lucky, you're like your late 30s. And then after yeah, that, I mean, you got a lot of years left to live. So, it's yeah. So at different Lacrosse, game. we have a guy who's like that too, John Grant Jr. The guy's forty some, forty five years old now, forty four years old. He's still playing. He gets like five goals a game. He just wow. led his team there in the championship this weekend. Um, I got to play with Junior for a little bit, and nice. um, he is by far the best lacrosse player that's ever been. And I would be shocked if anyone ever beats him. Kind of similar to how. You'll hear the Tom Brady at least of Patriots, lacrosse. Huh? Patriots fans talking about Brady. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, like you can't deny the numbers when you see them, right? And John's the same way. And you know, it, it was you know pretty cool when you get to play with guys like that and your your idols and stuff like that. And you know, I've been blessed to be able to play with a lot of guys like that. That's awesome. So yeah. I just wanted to uh, rewind a little bit. We were talking about. Uh, I heard you say there was short stick uh, attackers, long stick midfielders, and defenders. So what? What is the difference in the uh, the stick lengths? Like, what what advantages or disadvantages do different stick lengths carry when it comes to uh, different positions in playing the sport of lacrosse? Yeah, so obviously, um, being an offensive guy, you want the shorter stick, right? They use the shorter stick. Um, the long poles are really to help a defenseman. They give them an advantage, mm-hmm. especially playing on a soccer field. There's so much space. Yeah. Um, a lot of the way it works is, you know, when you go out there on defense, you have four long four long sticks and two short sticks. So your primary job as an offensive player is, you know, you get your best player a short stick and you let them attack and you make the defense work around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so really strategic when you're working like offensively, but yeah, um, I mean, especially in field lacrosse when you're playing with, uh, you know, the same size field as, um, so the fields when like in comparison to like a football field, right? Um, our end line is about halfway through an, uh, an American football end zone. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's that far, same width and every, a little, sorry, wider than the football field. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's uh, a lot of room, and if they all used a shorter stick, um, you would have a lot more scoring. So it's more so in, uh, to give the defenders a little more uh, uh, help in the game. Like my brother's a long pole, um, and you know, he uses that six foot length to his advantage. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it hurts. Though. When you get whacked by those things, it hurts. <laughs> and then, uh, that's part of it, too. And that's legal, right? You're allowed to just whack people with it whenever you, you want. Whack, you, you can whack, you can cross-track, you know. You can, wow. you can get away with a lot of stuff. I've gone away with a lot of dirty stuff sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, my little brother is even worse sometimes. So. What's the dirtiest yeah. thing you ever got away with, if you're allowed oh, to share it? Uh, yeah, I think the statute of limitations gone by now. <laughs> that, um, there you go. Uh, yeah, you get away with the occasional butt end and stuff like that. And what's that butt end? Uh, when you just take like the bottom of your stick and you like jab someone Ooh, with it. Ooh, okay, uh, okay. You know, you occasionally hit someone in the boards the wrong way and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd say probably one of the dirtiest things I've ever done is like you hit a guy uh, from behind or something like that to the boards. Um, normally that leads to a fight and stuff like that. There so, you go. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, dirty isn't the, I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm not a dirty player. I, I play very aggressive. And I, I, I teeter down that line of yeah. aggressive and uh, going over it, but uh, that's just mm-hmm. the style. Like, it's kind of like um, Brad Marchand. If, is that a, a an accurate yeah, comparison? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't chirp like him. I can't, I, I don't, <laughs> not I many people can. When it comes to chirping, you know, someone chirps me, uh, uh, my go-to line is normally, uh, yeah, you're probably right. You know, I just accept the facts. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do after someone says that? Yeah, if I'm you know, chirping someone and they said that, I'd be like, I want, like you want them to engage, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You, you have a second line ready. Exactly. You have line up, and when I take that away from you, Can't what, use are you it. what are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. So that's almost a better chirp than even chirping. So good on you for finding that. Too. I don't have to think of anything. I don't have to mm-hmm. use my mind. Another good one, if you're ever, uh, if it ever happens and you're in the lead, is you just point up at the scoreboard or you say, oh, what's, what's the score times. again? Yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah. That's an easy one. I used uh, to love that a, one. A good chirp is always giving it to the goalie after you score. Mm. Uh, you know, um, that again, you know, players don't like when you chirp their goalies, but, you know, you know, you give them a little whisper here, whisper there, yeah. that kind of stuff. And if um, they don't like it, they got to stop you. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, your decision to attend John Hopkins University, a very prestigious university, uh, Big Ten, NCAA, which is a huge deal for a kid out of Ottawa. So what was, before we actually get to that, what was the recruiting process like? Were you recruited by a lot of places and um, were they kind of swindling you? Is it kind of similar to football where you got letters coming in? Just kind of walk me through that recruiting process. Yeah, so I was able to cross this. When I was getting recruited, it was unique. Um, I know football to a certain degree. Um, and again, I wasn't a football recruit. I stopped playing football. I didn't really have that option. But for lacrosse, um, I got recruited in grade nine. Okay. And I wow. committed. I committed in grade nine, um, going into grade ten. Um, so I went to Louis Riel in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, went there from seven to um, halfway through my uh, first time doing grade ten. Um, and then I transferred to St. Matt's mm-hmm. uh, first semester because um, one, they had a lacrosse team, and two, I needed to go to an English school because um, I was going to the States the next year to go to a private school. Um, and then I had done um, a big thing in lacrosse is summer tournaments. So you go uh, travel around the U.S., play with teams, and you go to specific tournaments that you know a lot of coaches are going to be. And I had decided that I was going to reclassify. Um, I was originally a 2014, and when I was a 2014, I was talking to um, high to middle impact schools. I was talking to Ohio State. I was talking to Ivy's. I was talking to high end D3s. Um, 
I decided that I wanted to give myself one more year to prepare. So I announced um, after finishing my grade 10 at St. Matthews, um, I was going to repeat the 10th grade and um, when I went down to the States because their curriculum is a little different. So that's pretty common for Canadians mm-hmm. to do that. Just for people that and, don't know, before you continue, sorry uh, to cut you off here, but reclassifying is just to uh, basically a victory lap. It doesn't have to be in your last year, but just to uh, basically extend your your pre-university career another year, just to, as you're saying, kind of grow and yeah. further your opportunities. But uh, continue. Yeah. Sorry about that. Especially if you go to the States, right? As yes. a Canadian, their curriculum is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you like when you go to grade grade ten is normally the common year because when you go to grade ten in the states it's like when they start doing like you know you have to do algebra or you have to do stats you gotta do this or that so that's mm-hmm. normally a common age group when you do that or you do it when you're done in your high school um, so I decided tenth grade I was gonna go to a school called Trinity Pauling in New York mm-hmm. uh, all boys school that was yeah uh, <laughs> in grade ten <laughs> that's a tough one that's rough um, yeah yeah. Um, so that summer, I reclassified, and when I went to my tournaments in the summertime, I ripped it up. I had a great summer, personally, um, and that's when the big top five um, offers started coming in. I uh, talked to, obviously, Johns Hopkins, um, Duke, Virginia, um, Syracuse, and I still talked to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, I visited Johns Hopkins. It was my first uh, visit I did. And I was sold right away. And granted, my coach, Coach Petromal, he's awesome. Uh, he said, uh, I know you like it. And I know, like, based on what you're talking, like, I feel, like, pretty comfortable that, you know, there's a chance you come here. Um, but I want you to go visit to at least two other schools before you make your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I'm, like, 14, 15 at the time. <laughs> but, like, in football, like, can you imagine uh, Nick Saban going, Hey, uh, we want you to come to Bama, but you know, go visit Clemson and Auburn first. Just goes to show how confident he was in his program. Yeah. Yeah, and granted, Hopkins is you know the most historic lacrosse program there is. Forty-four national championships, nine NCAA championships, one third of the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame is uh, Johns Hopkins players or coaches. It's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, like Hopkins is the Bama or the Notre Dame of college lacrosse. That was my next question, um, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like the most historic place to play lacrosse. And it's, it, obviously, it's an honor. We're the only Division One program on campus. Everything else on campus is D3. Wow. So we have our own building. We have multiple people. Like a lot of our guys end up on Wall Street, end up working at high-end banks and all that stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, back to my recruiting. Uh, I went the next week, um, July 4th weekend, uh, from my birthday weekend, I ended up going to, flying in, uh, went to Duke, and then the next day drove to Virginia and visited there. Um, Duke um, was waiting to recruit my age group until the fall, so they waited on me, and I got offers from Hopkins in Virginia. Very similar offers. also, for obviously, I, many people wouldn't know this, but lacrosse isn't a full scholarship. No, uh, okay. Sport. No, you have twelve point six scholarships to hand out between a fifty man roster. Oh wow! Yeah. So, like, if you get scholarship offer, you like it's like you That's have huge. to figure out where you're going. Uh, I was lucky. Hopkins and Virginia both gave me 
very similar offers, both very good offers. And um, at the end of the day, it came down to the academics. It came down to um, the lacrosse program and not having any, like, granted, Virginia's a great school. Like, the head coach at uh, Virginia was one of my coaches for the Iroquois team. I love him. Okay. He just, they just won the national championship this last year. Um, but the small campus of Hopkins, add on to that the historic aspect of the lacrosse program, a coach who's been there for 20 years and went to school there, an entire coaching staff that are Hopkins grads. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, Johns Hopkins is consistently a top 10 academic school in the United States. Um, it's hard to turn that down. Yeah, and it probably got your parents on board too, the fact that, A, you said it's a small campus, so I'm sure the classes were <laughs> relatively small. And then, mm-hmm. as you said, a top 10 academic school. I know myself going to Acadia University, it was the same kind of deal. Uh, yeah. When I went on my visit, the, one of the things they kept selling us on was small class sizes, small campus, really good academics, and then everything kind of falls together. So I can definitely see uh, where you came from uh, in that regard. Yeah, sure. like, once you're done your first year, you don't have like the big lectures. Everything's like 20-person mm-hmm. small classes. and it, it makes a difference. I mean, you can't skip class because no. the teacher knows who you are and they see you when you're out there. So it keeps yep. you talented too, right? Yeah. Uh, when you go to a school and like all your classes are 400 people lectures, so... Uh, you, you, you don't go. There's no accountability. You, you don't go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even further to that, like, the fact that, like you said, small classes build that accountability. But on top of that, if you have a small class, you're more able to, and you're more comfortable raising your hand to ask a question if you don't know something. You're more comfortable going in and seeing your prof after hours because you have that much better of a relationship. You're not just number 347 you're jake fox the guy who's in his class every day and you have an actual relationship with that professor rather than being just a face in a huge auditorium sea of faces you know what i mean so no absolutely especially being a lacrosse player at hopkins like you have to create a relationship with your uh, fan with your uh, teacher sorry and you know it makes a difference when you come up to them and say look i'm a lacrosse player here mm-hmm. um you know hopkins lacrosse players sometimes don't always get the best rep between academics and all that just because you know we got recruited to come play lacrosse here and there is some leeway to other kids mm-hmm. who have got into the school right it's yeah. the same at every school in that kind of way I you know fo- like football players who go to ivy league mm-hmm. schools you know they're great football players but you know most of those guys if they just for the most part just applied to harvard or applied to yale yeah. They might not get in with their scores. You know, yeah. you get that little leeway. So um, you get the bad rep, but, you know, if you put in the effort, you talk to the professors and, you know, you show everyone that you want to take it seriously, I mean, you can't, school gets so much easier. Like yeah. it's, there's no deep problem going up to a teacher and saying, like, hey, can I meet with you? Hey, I need help with this. Hey, mm-hmm. can we go over my paper? You know, I got to be, how do I do this to get an A? You know and what even, I mean? Yeah. And even further than that, like I'm sure there was times where you might have had a game or uh, like a practice right before a game, something you couldn't miss for lacrosse that might have interfered with a test or might have interfered with a project being due and you couldn't meet a deadline. And I'm sure having that relationship with a professor definitely helped because one of the things I see a lot when I coach now, I coach youth football, uh, 14 and 15 year olds, the amount of times this season, we only have one more game, but the amount of times that this season a kid mispractice and said oh I'm sorry I couldn't come I had too much homework and I think about it and I'm like you're in grade 9 or in grade 10 how on earth can you have too much homework now to meet 
a foot like a single football practice. It's not it's not that you don't you have too much homework. It's that you didn't manage your time correctly and you don't have the proper relationship maybe with your with your teachers because if you can't manage that time in grade nine, there's no way you're gonna make it moving forward. So I just kind of wanted to plug that in and. Like, as you said, having that relationship with your professors and being able to manage your time is uh, extremely important. Yeah, yeah like, even at Hawking, right? if you had an exam the next day or something like that, like, and we had a lift or something like that, there's certain leeway to it. Like, you can miss a lift and make it up later in the week or, yeah. late, like, the next day or something like that. You know, there's always a way, but, like, again, like, you don't want to be that guy who wants a week says, hey, I can't be here because I have mm-hmm. school. You want to be able to, you know, create a calendar which works around your schedule. And, you know, um, granted, it is student-athlete, right? But you have to remember why you're there, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to balance that well. Exactly, yeah. So how hard was it for you going from high school to, or your prep school, sorry, to John Hopkins to manage your time? And did you have to create a, an, an agenda? Like, what were things that helped you? deal with such a busy schedule being a NCAA student-athlete, not just a student-athlete, but an NCAA student-athlete. Yeah, so uh, actually, I only went to that school in New York for a year. Okay. And then I went to a school, uh, prep school in Toronto called the Hill Academy. So I went okay. to four high schools, and uh, I went to four high schools when I was uh, there. Um, you know, it's very different. Um, I know a lot of people say, like, yeah, no, you'll do all right, it'll be okay. Like, you don't understand how much freedom you get in college to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like, in high school, like, if you have a free period, like, you're just chilling on camp, exactly. on, like, at school, you know? You might just yeah. go do a homework in the cafeteria or something like that. Like, in college, man, like, there's days where you will only have, like, one class. You might, like, you can schedule your, your classes to the point where, you know, um, you know, you have a 9 a.m., you have a 5, 6 a.m. practice, you do a 9, 10 a.m. class, and then at 11 o'clock, you have nothing to do the rest of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so when it comes to like that, you have to be prepared to, you know, rather than go in your room, take a nap, and play Xbox, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, go to the library for a couple hours, go do work, go to a buddy's house and watch film, go do something. Um Honestly, I was lucky enough that the school I went to for the last two years of high school um, was basically like playing, uh, already getting into college lacrosse. Um, that was your day. I mean, you woke up, practice in the morning, lifted after practice, and then you went to school. Um, my last two years was all lacrosse. That's all I did in high school. Um, so that makes a huge difference. That helps a lot. And, you know, um, again, it's finding that balance of social life, mm-hmm. because honestly, you're in college, you have to have a social exactly. life, and you can't be, like, staying in every Saturday night to do school. You have to balance your social life, your academic life, and your athletic life. Um, and if you can do that, college will be the best four or five years of your life. Definitely. You'll absolutely love it. Definitely. If you can only balance two of those aspects, you know, you're not going to, you know, be happy with it in the end. Yeah. Um, if you make it to so the that was Yeah, sorry. If you make it to the end, sorry, that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No. Like if you, whether it's whatever, whether you play uh, CIS or you play um, in the states or whatever it is, if you find a way to balance those three aspects of your, you know, college career, if you're lucky enough to play sports after high school, man, like you're gonna love, love your time. And you know, I, I, I guess for you, for me personally, I love talks. 
it was the greatest four years of my life. Yeah. Um, playing wise, I didn't play a lot, but the role I played on the team was phenomenal. Um, I enjoyed my time, and you know, I always have friends like asking me, like, dude, like, you, like you're a good lacrosse player. Like, I'm like, I didn't really play very much in college, barely any, and I'm still, you know, moved on to play pro lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever regret going to Hopkins? Like, you could have gone to another school, you know, started whatever. I'm like, I have no regrets. I have a, I'm getting my degree as at a top ten school in the states. I'm set for life when it comes to that. Like the connections mm-hmm. I've made have been incredible. Yeah. The friendships I've made have been awesome. And you know, now my little brother's at Hopkins. Now nice. he's a freshman at Hopkins, man. Nice. So um, I have no regrets when it comes to that. I'm extremely happy when it comes to that. And you know, um, people have to realize that while the athletic part is very important. Um, always work to like start obviously you don't want to like go there and not play but like that's not the be all end all you know but the, like a lot of other aspects go into it and you know you can always you know if you play flag when you're done and mm-hmm. you know there's always ways to continue playing your sport and whatnot but you know take care of the academic part you know have fun with the social part work your ass off and the athletic part and overall i guarantee no one will ever come out of that with any regrets. Yeah, it's definitely all about the balance. So speaking of the balance, uh, going to a Big Ten school, you know, Johns Hopkins, what was the social aspect like? Was it uh, was it kind of like what's portrayed in, in movies like BMS, or not movies, uh, TV shows like Blue Mountain State, or is it more uh, more kind of tame than that? But just kind of walk me through the, uh, the social aspect of, of going to a university like that. Yeah, social life at Hopkins was... Uh a little different so like I said we were the only D1 uh, sport on campus so you know we were the only revenue sport at Hopkins we created the most revenue we had the big alumni big sponsors for the athletic program Um, so when we had parties or when we had events I'll call them social events you know it was a little more it was a little better yeah yeah. Uh, but you know um, we did have our little social events like we had a lot of people there. It was a lot of fun. Um, did we get in trouble sometimes? Well, absolutely. I mean, we're kids ranging from mm-hmm. 18 to 23. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, were we punished for them sometimes by our coaching staff? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, on multiple occasions, you know, you get the text the next day on Sunday saying, Monday, uh, what's it called? Monday, 6 a.m., just bring your cleats and you oh, right away you knew you're running <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna be running for a little oh, while um, and yeah, you're hung over on top uh, of that yeah no those were the worst uh, you know um, luckily we have a good relationship with like um, our campus security uh, and all that um, we have a good relationship with the members of uh, the faculty administration um, so you know we were uh while we get rowdy, especially after some big wins and stuff like that, we used to have a place called PJ's Pub on campus, which was known as the Lacrosse Bar. Um, and that place, the owner, we actually called him Coach Smith. Okay. Like, he was literally a coach. He would show up to our 6 a.m. practices. Wow. Um, and luckily, he was like a, he was like a, a watcher for us. Um, if we were at, we would always go to his bar, and, uh, you know, if someone was a little too, um, had a couple too many pops, you know, 
was a little uh, wobbly or something like that. It was tap on the shoulder to one of the older guys saying, we need to get him out of here. Yeah. That kid gets carried home and gets taken care of. Yeah. Um, so while it was fun and all that, it was very uh, responsible. Too. Awesome. Like, you look out for your teammates, you look out for your friends, you look out for your brothers. Definitely, man. That's awesome. So I wanted to kind of switch gears. Uh, we talked a little bit about, um, about your lacrosse path. So I was doing some research and I saw that you were the lacrosse player of the year in Ottawa, was it? Uh, was that last year or the year before? Uh, God, that was back in high school. So that okay, okay, so a little while ago. Uh, yeah, that was a while ago. Wow, you found that. That's, yeah. that's a good research, right? You did a little <laughs> bit of research, man. Huh? Look at that. Yeah, so what, what year was that and uh, what was it like when you were told, uh, hey, listen, you're the Ottawa lacrosse player of the year? How much of an honor is that? Do you still kind of think about that to this day? Oh, yeah, no, it's an absolute honor. Obviously, when you get recognized to, as one of the best in your profession. The best. Or, yeah. yeah, for whatever it was, from where you're from, obviously, it's an absolute honor. Um, there's been a lot of very good guys who have won that award. Um, and, you know, it was a pretty cool event. There was a lot of, uh, you know, the, they did a great job posting it. Um, I was honored, obviously, at the time to be nominated for that and uh, win that. And, uh, I mean, I take a lot of pride in Ottawa lacrosse, and it's growing exponentially. Um, I have a club lacrosse team there that I run with my father. Okay. Um, we've sent 150 kids plus in the last four or five years to um, some top-end United States and Canadian lacrosse schools and prep schools all over the place. Wow. Uh, we have kids who have gone to play lacrosse at IMG at some of the top uh, schools in New England, private prep schools in New England. Um, we have kids who play at Duke, play uh, at Hopkins, play at some of the top D2, D3 schools. Um, we've had Canadian national championships um, um, for, you know, Junior A and pros, we've had guys who have won uh, the pro lacrosse championships and indoor and outdoor uh, national championships in NCAA. So um, he's done, I give him a lot of the credit. He's done a great job of growing it, especially because I'm away. Um, my role is principally as like a coach and as um, using my connections through lacrosse world to help kids as well. Um, you know, he's done a great job of keeping it going the past five, six years. And, you know, uh, lacrosse in Ottawa is getting really big. Um, you know, and I couldn't be more happy of this program and continuing this program. Um, and just hoping to see kids, more and more guys who are going to be going pro and stuff like that. Nice. Um, in the near future, and some big names in college cross and Canadian college cross right now. And, uh, you know, it's awesome to see it grow because lacrosse is primarily a sport based out of Toronto. You know, in the last, like, 10 years or so, lacrosse in Ottawa has skyrocketed. And it's awesome to see that because, you know, it is our national summer sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Canada, not many people know that or even see that. And, uh, you know, the fact that it's growing in the nation's capital is what you want to see. Awesome. So you talked a little bit briefly about uh, about the program that you and your dad run. Uh, so what what is that program uh, called or the team called? Um, so it's the Ottawa Capitals program. Um, basically, what we do is we have different field lacrosse teams at different age groups, and we travel them around the U.S. Uh, play in recruiting tournaments. We send them individually to tournaments. Um, we use our connections to get them involved. Uh, send them to prep schools. Um, 
actually, it's pretty similar to what uh, Vic's doing, Coach yeah. Mac is doing with Literally Gridiron. just popped into my uh, mind. You guys are the like, Gridiron yeah. of Lacrosse. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, uh, I've known Vic for a long time. He was, uh, I worked out in Gridiron Academy mm-hmm. a long time ago. Back in then, it was Eli, Mikey, O'Connor, um, our boy Demi, playing mm-hmm. with the Blue Jays, and yeah. then uh, I was the lacrosse guy. I was, uh, you know, we had guys all over the place. Uh, I think Baby J was yeah. uh, probably, oh God, he might have been 12, maybe. Wow. When I started doing it, he was a yeah. young, like, he was literally Baby J. I feel weird calling him Baby J now, but. Yeah. For those who don't know, Baby J is uh, Jonathan Sutherland. He plays at Penn State. Uh, he's a safety there, uh, doing really well for himself, so. Yeah, we, when we played at Penn State last year, actually, he came out and watched the game, and uh, I got to see him after the game. That's and, awesome. Know, he's doing great. But yeah, so it's kind of similar to what Vic does, where he takes his you know, guys, goes and travels around the U.S., does the seven-on-seven tournaments. That's what we're doing with our kids. We're sending them to prep schools that will give them the most success, and then from there um, to some of the top colleges in the U.S. and awesome. Canada. So, you know, yeah, I would say we're kind of, without the, like, lifting and physical department of that, right? We do the lacrosse-specific stuff. Awesome. Is that something you'd ever think you'd venture into in extending uh, this Ottawa program that you guys run and adding in a a weightlifting or training portion, or do you think you'll just kind of stick it to lacrosse? Um, Probably just stick it to lacrosse. Um, You know, we have, uh, obviously, personally, for kids in the East End, I try to, uh, you know, say if you want to work out um go see Vic. yeah um we have a uh another gym uh run by um pat and um another uh coach don and uh what's called elite performance academy okay, that's so good that. yeah. yeah so they were i got two football guys played in cfl pat played in the nfl with the giants um so our West, our uh, like Nepean guys, our West Side guys, they go to him a lot of the time. Um, so we have we rely on them to do their own thing. We give them recommendations, uh, but no, that's the hard part, right, man? Like we would have to buy a gym and stuff like that. Yeah. It's easier for us to rent a field, teach them their systems, teach them lacrosse, and then from there, you know, go down to the states and. Uh, rip it up and get these kids some offers awesome man so how important was it for you um or how important is it still to this day for you to excuse me to network and uh because as you said you have a lot of connections that help these kids the next generation further their lacrosse careers so just kind of speak to how important it is for you uh to network and build more relationships and keep existing relationships well i think it's the most important part uh, especially in such a like a small community that the lacrosse world is. Um, if you know one guy, you know 20 guys kind of thing, you know what I mean? Um, in the lacrosse world, I run a Barnes lacrosse program here in Baltimore um, called Warthogs Lacrosse, where we're teaching kids how to play like true box lacrosse. Um, a lot of box lacrosse or indoor lacrosse um, programs around here are just playing field lacrosse on a box rink. Um, we're teaching these kids how to play true box lacrosse to help their skills and help develop them. Um, and, you know, that's within that community, you know, I get to reach out and I talk to every high school coach in the Baltimore area um, and the private schools and the public schools, which is arguably the toughest lacrosse division, the most highly recruited lacrosse division in all of high school lacrosse. Um, 
also through playing like national teams and you know um, going into a coaching career now while I'm playing and being in the pros um, you create all those connections you know lacrosse the pro lacrosse community is a very small but close community you get to meet a lot of people um, when you play different teams play different tournaments stuff like that you meet up with guys and you know you play with a kid one tournament when you're 13 years old next thing you know he's the head coach at you know a university 20 years down the line and yeah. you know you have that connection where you feel comfortable to a point where if I email this guy to re- restore that connection there's probably some sort of link there yeah um you know, I think, especially in lacrosse, networking is the most important thing, especially going in, if you run a program or if you're going into a coaching career like I am, um, you know, that's the most important thing you can do. Awesome. I find it really, really commendable uh, that you using your platform and using your connections, you're using it to uh, for a good cause, you know, helping kids out, bringing them up to the next level. I uh, just wanted to really applaud you for that. Uh, it's really uh, a good, a great thing that you're doing. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Same thing for you, man. Like you could have easily just walked away from football in general. I know you had your issues and all that, and you know it's you know a lot of guys would just say I need to step away, and mm-hmm. you dove right in the coaching right away, dude. So same thing back to you, man. That's you're, you're doing a great thing, and you know um, who knows maybe I, I remember Vic saying he's looking for replacements. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see you and Quinn running that. One day, maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another thing I wanted to uh, to kind of talk about was um, the fact that so you said you you started uh, or you run the program the Warthogs uh, Lacrosse, correct? Yeah. So what what is it about helping kids that is is so rewarding for you? Because as you said, you also run the program with your dad here in Ottawa, and then in Baltimore you're running the uh, the Warthogs program. Is it influence of maybe someone who helped you along the way or what 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 is it that makes giving back worth it to you and that you keep wanting to do so yeah so like i started coaching when i was like 13 man like i would go and coach my like brother's teams and stuff like that and uh i remember um i came late in the football season one year and um i wasn't gonna play and I actually ended up being like the OC for the Mosquito, for the Bengals Mosquitoes team. Um, and like legitimately to the point I was calling all the plays. Um, that's like a, a 14 and 15 year old. So it was it was a little uh, aggressive by them, but you know, I took it in stride. And, there you go. Um, I, I eventually got convinced like two weeks later by uh, Coach Dupa. Uh, I don't remember Coach Dupa. Um, he so basically not. said, he's like, Dude, you're, what are you doing? Come play. Yeah. So um, he convinced me, and a bunch of the guys convinced me. Um, so I ended up going back playing. I honestly think coaching is the most rewarding thing you can do, man. And um, obviously, I had a lot of coaches influence me. And we talked about Coach Vic. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Vic's the guy who got me into working out and stuff like that. Um, I went to Coach Vic right when I hit my Grossberg. Perfect. So time, that I went from. About five six one forty to six two and a little over two hundred pounds in like the span of like six months, dude. Oh my god, yeah. that is yeah. insanity! Free time to be working out with Vic. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so the guys like Vic, um, I mean, from like the football world. Obviously, my father was a huge influence on me. Uh, my dad was my OC for ever. 
Um, and then after that, obviously, I had Dennis Prowse, who was one of my coaches forever in football, and you know, Dennis was a great guy, worked with me a lot, um, lacrosse world, um, you know, I had my high school coach, Brody Merrill, who's a pro, um, again, he started a school for lacrosse guys, and, you know, and him and his brother and his dad and sister have done a great job in creating one of the best programs, um, in North America. They're consistently rated in the top five ten in all of high school cross and being a Canadian school that's tough to do. And they actually steal Americans. Americans come down to Canada to play lacrosse here. Field lacrosse too, which is pretty unheard of. That's that's quite an accomplishment. Nice. Um, and then yeah, obviously in box lacrosse, um, when I went to Peterborough to play my junior A career, um, my first coach and staff there was huge to me and uh, kind of took my game and completely took it to a 180 because I was still playing like I was that 5'4 kid uh, a little bit soft a little bit mm. on edge uh, scared to get hit Yeah. and I remember um, the big thing that happened for me was my second or third year of, lacrosse, of playing junior A our captain got it, jumped and in a fight and got his nose uh, broken and at that point, I was about 6'3", 220. I was one of the bigger kids on the offense. After the game, my coach yanked me out of the locker room and saying, if anyone ever touches our captain again and you don't do something about it, you're never playing for this team again. The next game, literally, a guy literally just slashes our captain after a whistle. I sprint over there, gloves go flying in the air, helmet chucked off. Um, and that was, you know... The way, one of the reasons, like, I changed my game so much. That's why, you know, I understand my role is um, to get guys open, to play inside. And if someone does something to your teammate, you drop that, you you handle it, and you protect your teammates, you protect mm-hmm. your brothers. Would you call yourself um, an enforcer? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as an enforcer in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, I always, I, I kind of hate that word. No. Enforcer. Um in a way just because when you hear enforcer or something like that it's kind of along the same lines as goon in a way for me it's like it's you know someone who doesn't have any skills and you just think of them as like a fighter you know what i mean um but you're more than so yeah exactly um and i still think even like fighters or something like that they get called enforcer or goon or something like that i'm just like you don't understand like in lacrosse and especially like in hockey, like these fighters put up like incredible, they were great players Mm -hmm. in like junior hockey and stuff like that. Like they got there for a reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're in the NHL. They're not goons. They have skill. It's just Mm -hmm. the role they've had to play is the role of the tough guy of the protector. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you you developed a role that, you know, kind of comes naturally and it's kind of become a, um, Grit and grind uh, protector, I guess, in the way we just say it. Nice. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other teams that you played for. Like I said, I did a little bit of research, uh, did a little bit of deep dive. You also sent me a, a little bio that uh, that helped yes. me out a little bit too. So uh, I, I found that you played for Team Ontario uh, at one point in your career. You also played for the Iroquois national team. Um, so just I wanted to kind of ask you, what was it like to represent uh, communities that you're a part of? Because obviously you're from Ontario, but you're also uh, of Native descent. So what is it like to to wear a jersey that says, you know, Team Ontario? 
where you're from or to Team Iroquois, um, which your parents or your uh, one of your parents is from. What what is that kind of pride sense like? It's honestly the most distinct honor I think you can have as a player. Um, this is the same thing for a guy who gets to represent his country. You get to play for Team Canada, Team USA. It's the exact same thing. Um, I don't think there's any bigger honor in your sport than to be able to represent your people. Um, I think, uh, personally for me, it was one of, if not the greatest experience of my lacrosse career to get to do that and go to the other side of the world, literally go to Israel and play the best lacrosse players in the world uh, and play with the best lacrosse players in the world. In my mind, the best lacrosse player in the world is Lyle Thompson, who is of Native American descent, played with me with Team Iroquois. Um, it's it's kind of hard to describe that feeling. Um, so when we went to Israel, dude, like literally rock stars. Like you guys were, or there was rock stars there. Yeah, everyone wanted Iroquois to win. Everyone wow. wanted our gear. And why we is that? Have, we would have a hundred kids lined up after games uh, because a big thing, at least for uh, lacrosse community at the World Games, is uh, gear swapping. So once you're done playing, you know, you take your shirt and you get a shirt from the German team or That's awesome. the Israeli team or something like that. Like literally you just meet in the middle compound and you take your gear out, open up your gear bag and, you know, walk around and, you know, you make a bunch of trades. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I had kids offer me sh- like helmets from their teams for a pair, of, for like a shirt. Wow. Like the air cost stuff is the hottest stuff on the market. Um, Jeez. Yeah, no, we were, when we were, um, we played the opening ceremony game. Um, so we had just got in our flight. We had about ten, uh, eight to 10 hours before we actually played the opening ceremony game against Team USA. Um, and there was probably, I want to say, five to 6,000 people there, maybe okay. more. And with the exception of the USA parents and family members, I think just about everyone else there was cheering for us. It was incredible. Um, And US and Canada and us were the top three programs. Like, you know, there's, it's us. So, um, you know, it was pretty cool experience. And again, there's nothing like representing your people, especially uh, Iroquois Nationals being the creators of the game, uh, being our game. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you can't ask for a bigger honor. And would you would you say that that had anything to do with the fact that you guys were kind of like the crowd favorite? The fact that it is a sport that is more native to the Iroquois people is that uh, have anything to do with it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a natural respect throughout the lacrosse community that you know um, lacrosse is a game of you know Native American descent. It was created by Native American people and given to uh, the people by the creator, and you know. Um, the historic background of it is all Native American. Um, so I think it's a sign of respect that people understand that. Uh, and I think it's just the style we play. We play very loose and goose, very uh, kind of backyard ball kind of game. I would say some of the most talented lacrosse players and the way some of these guys know how to use their lacrosse stick is just absolutely ridiculous, man. Some of the stuff they do and, uh, Great, I like to think I'm a decent lacrosse player, and some of these guys, it, it just blows me out of the water when I get to watch them play. Um, so I think it's also due to the just style of play as well, but yeah, there's definitely a, a respect thing there. 
Awesome. So who would you say, kind of on that same kind of note, who would you say is your favorite player for, you know, for myself who's going to definitely try and get a little bit more into lacrosse, trying to watch it now, especially that you're in the pro league, uh, and other people that may be looking to get into lacrosse, who's a good player that, other than yourself, of course, uh, that they should maybe keep a lookout for, uh, one of the exciting players in the league? Uh, like I said, Lyle Thompson's by far the best player on the board. Lyle right Thompson? Now. Lyle Thompson. Lyle yeah, Thompson. He, He's by far the best lacrosse player in the world. In my mind, whether it be box or field, it's him. Um, another guy would be Tom Schreiber. He's an American who um, came into pro box a couple of years ago and tore it up right away, um, which is very rare. And he, uh, you know, if he keeps this up, he'll go down as probably the best American um, box lacrosse player of all time. Uh, still early to say that, but I think he's uh, working his way towards being one of those guys. Um, in terms of uh, guys who have huge social media presence that kind of like the easier ones to see, guys like Paul Rabel, Kyle Harrison, um, those guys, both uh, Hopkins guys who I've, uh, I'm honored to have met and know and um, call my friends, uh, they are pretty uh, They're pretty incredible too. Uh, both of them are kind of winding down their careers right now. But uh, I would say they're probably two of the easier guys to find the uh, highlights on and stuff like that if you want to take a look at them. Awesome. Sounds good. So uh, a couple more questions before we wrap it up. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the the draft process. So as you kind of mentioned, you were drafted by the New York Riptide, which is a huge deal. Um, how similar is the draft process to the draft process in other sports? Like, Is there a lot of talk about like mock drafts leading up to the draft? Like, How does it kind of... How does it kind of work in that? Yeah, no, there's a couple guys who do the mock drafts and do mock previews who are uh, well-respected writers um, in the lacrosse community. Um, it normally doesn't start up till a few weeks before the draft. Um, there's websites who, you know, will have, like, all the draft prospects listed with, like, bios and stuff like that, like, links to your Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Um uh, in terms of like uh, talking to teams, uh, you'll have teams who will watch your summer lacrosse a lot. There's like a uh, a very, very, very good uh, summer pro league that plays out of Ontario and then another one that plays out of the West Coast where they're fighting for what's called the Man Cup, um, which I'm honored to actually win one time. Nice. Uh, Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, but yeah. Um, so that's like kind of you'll see a lot of GMs from the pro league come and watch your games and stuff like that. Um, you know, the closer you get to the draft, the more phone calls you get. Uh, I remember uh, the day of the draft, I met with a couple teams and uh, talked to a couple GMs and stuff like that. Uh, and then you know we're all in a room and you know we're just sitting there waiting, we're just waiting. And uh, you know I had to wait till the early second round, but uh, you know. Uh, and then I like my one of my good friends went first overall and all wow. that stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and you know it's uh, it's interesting. It's like sitting in the draft room, right? It's it's anxious, it's frustrating, um, it's nervous because um, you know you come up and it's a team, right? And uh, you're like, okay, well, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was, you know, slotted here to go in the mock draft. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't talk to this team, or I talked to this team. They said, you know, I might go to them and stuff like that. You kind of put yourself in like a mental torture yeah. in a way, yeah. um, which uh, 
you know, sucks. But as soon as you hear your name called, man, it's it's like losing forty pounds at once. So everything's off your shoulder. You know, you know it's finally you get to go up there, shake some commissioner's hand. Yeah. You know, you get your jersey and your hat, and uh, it's honestly a great feeling and a great sigh of relief that comes out of you. Has that been your your greatest moment thus far in your Holy Cross career? Would you put it above, you know, playing for the Iroquois national team and playing for Team Ontario? Um, I would say it's tied for uh, top three. My three biggest things are all kind of tied together. Um, the first one being um, Team Iroquois winning bronze, going to Israel. Um, the second being um, winning the Big Ten Championship my junior year. Um, funny enough, actually, I was suspended for that game, but it was pretty, uh, pretty, uh, I, uh, we played Ohio State in the semifinals, and uh, we ended up having a bench clearing brawl with them, because they hit our goalie, and you know, it was right by the benches, we had a couple guys go over to help our goalie, one guy pushes one guy, next thing you know, it's yeah. under guys going at it, and uh, two guys were kicked out, one guy from each team was kicked out of the game right away, and they said they were going to do few, uh, uh, do a little film review mm-hmm. to figure out who else would be suspended. Yeah. After the game, I look at the film, all you see at the bottom of the screen is like me reaching over like five guys and just throwing <laughs> punches. Nice. So, uh, it, as soon as I saw the film, I knew I was going to be suspended. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, but that, again, just winning your conference title win the Big Ten Championship uh, was awesome uh, so that would probably be my second and getting drafted would be third um, I mean being drafted is awesome like that but again that's just the first step right now yeah. it's you know I'm training five days a week um, I had the world's shittiest diet before and I'm adapting to that too um, like I used to eat out all the time didn't really pay attention to what I ate now I'm realizing you know I, I have to maintain a certain weight I have to maintain decent shape and mm-hmm. um, you know I, I can't be eating Subway five times a week yeah. uh, as, as, as delicious much as, as I as wish I could I yeah. can't <laughs> you know what I mean I you know, gotta put a salad a salad and chicken breast on my plate every once in a while now yes sir um, mm-hmm. so yeah it's kind of adapting to that lifestyle because you know as a pro lacrosse player like you're with your team for a couple of days every week, mm-hmm. um, you're getting paid to maintain your physical abilities during the week. Like you're getting paid to work out during the week. That's what you're getting paid to do. Um, you know, guys' careers have been cut short because they just don't take uh, the off uh, field stuff seriously, or you know, you know, they get out of shape for a little bit, and then it's hard for them to get back in the team. So. Um, I'm trying to make sure now that, you know, come first game of the year, come training camp and everything, you know, I get into that rhythm where, you know, on the road, you know, I have that balanced diet, you know, I have that consistent workout mentality in my mind and um, try and give yourself like a regiment, like similar to college where everything's kind of like mapped out for you. Um, So that's kind of, you know, where we're at. Awesome. So just a quick note: if uh, if I was to YouTube that fight, uh, do you think I'd find it on uh, on YouTube? That uh, bench clearing uh, fight with, with you in Ohio State. A quick link. Yeah, I could probably. I could. I got a couple. Uh, I could send you a couple links for a couple fights if you want. Awesome! Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm big into that. I I watch some hockey highlights of uh, fights sometimes too. Uh, yeah, gets gets the crowd riled up for sure. I'm a big UFC, WWE, 
guy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm a huge WWE guy personally. I love that stuff. Uh, I always get made fun of, man. Everyone's like, why would you watch like pro wrestling and stuff like that? I'm like, okay, like um, you like watching your Jersey Shore and yeah. all that stuff. Well, I'm watching reality TV with violence to it, man. Exactly. Like, um, you, you, you can't ask for much more, especially uh, with me. Uh, that's the best you can do for me. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm big into that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you kind of, it's kind of funny you develop that kind of relationship with your friends and you get kind of that rep and that title and it's just like, I'll run with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one last question before we wrap it up. Uh, I just wanted to ask, what are your kind of goals, your aspirations for being a professional lacrosse player? My mom's going to answer the phone up there. So, <laughs> so what are your goals and aspirations as a professional lacrosse player in the NLL? Um, uh, Team-wise, obviously, being an expansion franchise uh, this year, being our first year, um, let's make the playoffs, first and foremost, right? Um, from there, you take it one game at a time. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, you want to make an impact in the league right away. And I'd say the best way to do that is, you know, make the playoffs your first year. Um, personally, um, I want to uh, develop myself into a full-time player in the league um, and make sure that, you know, I can create a role for myself where I'm indispensable and, you know, I need to be on the floor to a certain degree. Um and then just kind of, you know, create the relationships within that league and uh, make myself more than a lacrosse player. Nice. You know, I think that's the most important aspect. Uh, you know, lacrosse career playing wise will last only a certain amount of time. And then after that, you know, it's uh, continuing on and just um, creating yourself a brand or a name to the fact that you can stay within the lacrosse community. Yeah, and definitely for yourself, you know, going into that coaching career that we talked about earlier, it'll be huge for you to create all these new relationships with your players your teammates on uh, new york and wherever your career takes you coaches the commissioner whatever it may be people in the media so it's definitely going to be huge for you I'm, I'm really proud of you man and i was really happy when i saw that picture that you got drafted i think i saw it first uh, through coach vic and then i saw you posted it too so definitely big congrats and i'm um, definitely rooting for you I don't. Ha- I didn't have a new. Um, I didn't have an NLL team, but I do now. I'm a New York Riptide fan, so uh, big shout out to you, man! Congratulations. Well, I'll have to get you a jersey or a t-shirt awesome. or something to get awesome. you down to a game or I'd something. I'd love that, yo. So, I'd but, love uh, that. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for having awesome. me. Awesome. So from the Triple S podcast, I'm Brandon Smith, joined by Jake Fox. I had a lot of fun talking, man. Uh, so thank you and tune in, guys. We'll be back again. Uh, back again soon with a lot more. So peace out. Yeah, this be a life, no gimmick.